Hey guys, this is Peter Lewis with Braveheart Ministries. Thanks for tuning in to the Braveheart Podcast. To learn more about our ministry, you can visit our website at www.braveheartministries.org. I'm going to talk about the context, why uh, I'm so passionate about the gospel and why I believe it's a necessary message in this hour uh, for the body of Christ. Um, and that's really what I wanted to do with this podcast today is I wanted to set some context biblically for why I believe we need uh, this message of the gospel. And really, I, I believe two things we need in the church today. Uh, we need a, a, a better explanation of the gospel and a greater demonstration of the gospel. And so, um, you know, a lot of people come and ask me, they say, what's Braveheart Ministries? Braveheart Ministries really is just that. My heart is to serve the body of Christ um, and, and explain the gospel uh, from the word of God in such a way that brings understanding, that brings clarity, uh, and then demonstrate the beauty and the power of the gospel through uh, the Holy Spirit, a demonstration of the spirit and power. And so, uh, I wanted to unpack that, where I get that in the Word, and where I believe the body of Christ is at today, uh, because I believe it's really critical, and the Lord's given me language and shown me in the Word of God uh, where I believe we're at and why I have compassion for the body of Christ like I do. Um, you know, my, my deepest heart is for the body of Christ. Um, I believe Right now in America, there is a ton of compromise in the church. I believe there is sin in the church. Um, and there's so many things that grieve the heart of God. And, um, and the church is just in a state of confusion. Not, not everywhere. Um, obviously, God's moving powerfully. But, but so many believers I meet uh, are in a place of confusion, depression, anxiety, feel like they're not doing enough. They don't feel close to God. They want to be. Uh, but they don't feel close to God. And um, it's really, really sad and breaks my heart. And so um, I don't know if you're watching this or if you're listening on uh, on the podcast. Maybe you're driving in your car, but I'm going to be in Acts chapter 18. Uh, and I'm going to read a little section of scripture here. Um, and when I read this, I don't know if you guys have had this experience before, but it was like this big aha moment where God says, this is where you fit in the narrative. Um, I encourage people if uh, I go to Upper Room Dallas, and so we're on a series right now about the Word of God and reading the Word of God, and it's been amazing. If you haven't listened to those, go to Upper Room's website. Uh, the messages on the Word the last several weeks uh, are absolutely phenomenal, I believe foundational. Uh, Michael Miller delivered uh, a message about the Word of God several weeks back that just blew me away. I'm still uh, meditating on it. And so I encourage you, um, if you haven't heard those, go listen to them because they're amazing and they will give you a value and an honor for the word of God in light of spiritual experiences. For those of you who've heard of the upper room, upper room, Dallas, um, I know there's just, you know, people may talk about, well, charismatics are only about experience. Um, we'll go listen from the horse's mouth, from the leader of the upper room, the value that we have for the word of God. Um, and I have a tremendous heart as a, as a peacemaker in the body of Christ to see a reconciliation between the conservative evangelical world, the Bible church, the cessationists, 
um, and the charismatic world. Um, one group is very fundamental. They believe in only the word of God and any sort of experience that's, uh, you know, supernatural or uh, can't be explained or maybe would be deemed as um, ecstatic is sort of frowned upon. And a lot of the charismatics are painted in a light as if they don't have a value or understanding of the word of God. And on the flip side, on the charismatic side, there's people that throw stones at the Bible church uh, at the fundamentalist and say they're just dry and legalist um, and they don't have uh, the Holy Spirit. And and to me, I've seen error and um, unchristlikeness on both sides, if I can say it that way. And I really have a heart as a peacemaker to see uh, a marriage between both camps, the word camp and the spirit camp, because honestly, I believe both value both. Um, and I believe in the word where I'm going to take you. Um, there was a moment in time in history uh, where where these two camps existed and there was honor, there was love, and um, there was a, uh, a demonstration, an explanation of the gospel that left the body of Christ um, in a better place than before. And so uh, if you want to look at Acts chapter 18, I'm going to start in verse 24, uh, and I'm going to read through it, and then I'm going to uh, talk about it for a minute. And I believe, uh, again, I just want to say this. I believe that this text is a prophetic picture of where the church is in America. And um, I believe we're going to see in this text where you might have found yourself and hopefully uh, a way forward, a path forward with some of the confusion and frustrations you have. And so I plan on the next few weeks, if you want to subscribe to the podcast uh, the next three, four, maybe five weeks talking about this from this text. Um, and so let's just hop into it. Uh, Acts 18, verse 24. It says this. It says, Now a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. He was, elo- he was an eloquent man, competent in the scriptures, and he had been instructed in the way of the Lord. And being fervent in spirit, he spoke and taught accurately the things concerning Jesus. And so I want to stop right there for a second um, and just look at this guy's resume. So Apollos was a Jew, and it says of him he was eloquent, he was competent in the scriptures, he had been instructed in the way of the Lord. So he, he knew the way of the Lord, and he was fervent in spirit. So this guy wasn't a, a uh, this guy was a passionate, wonderful man of God. And it says this, it says that when he spoke, he spoke and he taught accurately. So it's not inaccurate. He spoke accurately the things concerning Jesus. But then there's a comma and it it says this, it says, though he only knew the baptism of John. Verse 26, he began to speak boldly. So he was also very, a very bold man. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue. But when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him and explained to him the way of God more accurately. And when he wished to cross to Achaia, the brothers encouraged him and wrote to the disciples to welcome him. And when he arrived, he greatly helped those who through grace had believed, for he powerfully refuted the Jews in public, showing by the scriptures that the Christ was Jesus. So let's stop right there. So here's a guy who I believe, um, if he were alive today, 
um, for all intents and purposes, he would be leading. Uh, he would be a headliner on your conference. I mean, this was a wonderful man of God, powerful man of God. He knew the word of God. He was laboring for God. Um, and then he was an amazing man. But the scripture is very clear about something with Apollos. It says that he only knew John's baptism. Now that's really significant because John's baptism was a was a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins, and so uh, which was to prepare the way for the Messiah. And so John's baptism was not the full expression of the gospel because John himself actually said, "He says I baptize you with water for forgiveness, but one who comes after me, who's mightier than I, he'll baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire." And so what I love about this text is when Priscilla and Aquila, they take him aside, it says they explain to him the way of God more accurately. It doesn't say they, they condemned him. It didn't say they shamed him. They, they honored him for, for who he was as a man of God, as a preacher of the gospel. They didn't try to create a camp and say, wow, this guy's not part of our camp. He doesn't understand the baptism, baptism of the spirit. Uh, man, he's just dry. They said, man, let's explain to this guy in private the the fullness of the gospel. And they did so. And if you notice, Apollos didn't feel any sense of, wow, these people think they're better than me. It says that he went on from there and he greatly helped those who through grace had believed. And he powerfully refuted the Jews in public, showing by the scriptures that the Christ was Jesus. So he continues his ministry and he was honored and he wasn't dishonored. He wasn't disrespected. And I, my heart breaks to see people in uh, these different camps and they say, well, you know, that person doesn't have it figured out and they just throw stones. And, and man, that really breaks my heart because we're all part of the same body. And so, um, but I believe something really um, powerful here. Um, I believe the Western church has been under the leadership of Apollos. Uh, prophetically, I believe the the conservative evangelical movement can be represented by Apollos. It's it's men and women of God who are amazing. They are competent in the Scriptures. They're eloquent men. They're instructed in the way of the Lord. They're fervent in spirit, and they speak and teach accurately the things concerning Jesus. But they only know of John's baptism. They don't they don't know or teach or have a, a framework for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Why do I say that? I say that because the, the fruit of this, this conservative evangelical uh, gospel, which is Apollos' gospel, if you will, um, is, is a life of someone who's very fervent, um, very passionate for the Lord, uh, very competent in the scriptures, but their, their, their full understanding of the gospel, the presentation of the gospel to that group is the, the, the culmination is the forgiveness of sins. Um, and if we're honest, for many of us who grew up in the Western church and the Bible church and the conservative uh, non-denominational churches, that was our understanding of the gospel is that if you acknowledge these five points, pray this prayer, you, you will have your sins forgiven and you'll go to heaven someday. That was the... Um, that was the sum total of the gospel. In fact, uh, a famous conservative evangelical uh, evangelist, rather, of our day, in his book, he says the bottom line of the gospel 
is our eternal address going from hell to heaven. Now, you guys know me. That is one of the most profound, uh, obviously powerful promises of the gospel is that we are rescued from an eternity apart from God in hell, and we get to spend eternity with him in heaven. Uh, but again, it goes back to Apollos, which his, his full understanding of the gospel was the baptism of forgiveness. And so um, if you keep reading here in Acts chapter 19, um, and this is where it gets really profound. And so um, actually before I go there, I want to just say a note about, about my heart and about Braveheart. But so the first thing I feel called to as just uh, as a believer, uh, as a minister of the gospel is to help explain to people who have been under Apollos's gospel and even the Apollos's themselves the way of God more accurately. That's why I wrote this book. This book is a to me. Um, th- it's that explanation. It's the explanation of show me how uh, the gospel's different than just having my sins forgiven. Even though I can accurately know Jesus, be competent in the scriptures, but maybe I don't. I don't understand it fully. And that was my heart. That was the purpose in this book. Um, Again, I encourage you. I get some amazing testimonies from people uh, who have read this. It's on Amazon. You can get it on Amazon. Uh, We'll put a link on here. Uh, But it's on Amazon. It's called Back to the Gospel. Um, Anyway, I I say that because for those of you who this resonates with, um, I, I wrote this to you. I wrote this book to the believer who has struggled with sin, struggled with being intimate with God. You, you know Jesus. You've been accurately taught the things concerning him. You're zealous for him. Uh, you're competent in the scriptures. This has nothing to do with classifying believers and, oh, one's better than the other. This has everything to do with us experiencing all that Jesus paid for us. And that's honestly my heart. Like, I have no intent to, to classify believers and say, well, one's better than the other. Um, my heart truly is that people experience the beauty and the fullness of the gospel, knowing Jesus intimately, uh, experiencing a passion in prayer, experiencing the the joy of having your sins completely washed away and living in a new nature and letting Christ live his life through you. Uh, there's nothing like it. And I'm, uh, again, as a, a, as a believer that's still growing in my ability to know God, to love God, um, there's always more. And so I think we can take that posture as believers that, uh, man, there's always more. There's always more of his goodness, more of his love, more of his power for us to experience. Uh, and that's the purpose of this. I believe the gospel is intended to connect us to his heart in a really deep and real way. And so, um, again, I, I, I really believe that, that we are in this place in the church where Apollos, these amazing leaders, and I just want to honor uh, the leaders in the Bible church, um, in the conservative evangelical world that, uh, I just want to honor you as, uh, amazing. Thank you for your work. Thank you. I grew up under your teaching. I grew up under your leadership. Uh, the, even the same with the Baptist, the fundamentals. Um, I just honor you for your devotion to the word, your fervent in spirit, uh, your, your, uh, just passion for centering people on the word of God and the truth. Um, and your heart's desire to truly protect people from uh, things that that could harm them. 
Uh, and so I just, I just honor you uh, as leaders. And there's been a lot of them in our city, in Dallas. There's been a ton of leaders like that. And there's still presently a lot of le- leaders like that. And so um, I just want you to know from my heart, I honor you. Um, I do, uh, in addition to that, desire that there is a, uh, a bridge that's formed between these two camps and we can begin to understand the baptism of the Holy Spirit, that it's not, uh, it's not about you speaking in tongues or not speaking in tongues. I know a lot of uh, conservatives have rejected the baptism of the Spirit and saying, well, I have the Holy Spirit and I don't need to speak in tongues. Uh, and tongues has been a dividing issue. Um, I think, again, these next couple of weeks, my heart is to unpack the baptism of the Holy Spirit uh, and to hopefully give context that this isn't some just extracurricular side topic to the gospel, that it is a um, very important aspect of the gospel um, and to show you the heart of God behind it and the true purpose in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Um, and so just to give you a little teaser, we're going to we're going to go here about five or ten more minutes. But uh, so, again, just to frame this thought out. Uh, in Acts chapter 19, um, so Paulos uh, had left Ephesus and he goes to Corinth starting in verse 1. And it says that Paul passed through the inland country and came to Ephesus. So Paul came back to where Apollos had been teaching and ministering and making disciples. Um, and so listen to this conversation that Paul has with the disciples of Apollos which again, Apollos only knew John's baptism. So he was actually, people were getting born again. They were getting saved. They were Christians. They had the Holy Spirit, but they, they didn't understand the fullness of the gospel. Okay. So listen to this conversation that Paul has. He says to this, uh, to them in verse two, he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Now he's talking to believers and, and again, you'll see the context and why he's saying this. He's not saying, are you saved? He's saying, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Now, that's an interesting question to ask a group of disciples. And listen to what they say. They don't feel condemned. They don't feel like he's trying to classify them. So whatever tone he said this in, it came across well. Okay. And so look what they said. They said, no, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Well, why hadn't they heard there was a Holy Spirit? Because the person that brought them to Jesus didn't explain to them. He didn't, he himself didn't have a revelation of the Holy Spirit. So his disciples didn't have a revelation of the Holy Spirit. The only thing Apollos knew was the baptism of John, which was the forgiveness of sin. So their function, their understanding of the functional role of the Holy Spirit seemed to be sort of secondary. They, they just had no concept of it. A lot of the reason why I have compassion and find myself in this story is because that was my life. I grew up and I did not know there was a Holy Spirit. Someone could have said, you know, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And from honestly, I would tell you, I didn't even know there was a Holy Spirit. I don't know the role of the Holy Spirit. My gospel understanding was you had the Father, you had the Son, and you had the Word of God, and that's all you needed. And someone might have made mention or token mention that the Holy Spirit lives in me or lives in you, but I had no understanding for the role of the Holy Spirit, the purpose of the Holy Spirit. It was just, it was non-existent. And, and in Acts chapter 19, you have a group of Christians who do not know about the Holy Spirit. They don't have any preconceived notions. They're literally ignorant. 
And this is amazing to me. And so then Paul asks them a question. He says, well, into what then were you baptized? So now Paul's like he's getting to the heart of the issue. If they didn't hear of the Holy Spirit, then what were they baptized into? And they said into John's baptism. And Paul said, verse four, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in the one who was to come after him. That is Jesus. And on hearing this, they were baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. There were about 12 men in all. Okay, this is so profound and awesome to me. So if Priscilla and Aquila were explaining the gospel more fully, then Paul demonstrated the gospel by bringing to these 12 disciples a, an experience with the Holy Spirit that if you continue to read and you understand the context of this, he wasn't trying to create another denomination. He wasn't trying to make them feel less than. He was trying to get them to experience the fullness of the gospel, which is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Um, again, in the coming weeks, I'm going to uh, really dive into the purpose of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, um, the why behind it. You'll notice here that they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. Again, I don't think that's the primary issue here. That's not the evidence. That's not the only evidence of the Holy Spirit is tongues. Uh, I know the Pentecostals uh, in some senses have made it about that. They've made it about only speaking in tongues. If you don't speak in tongues, you don't have the Holy Spirit. Listen, I'm telling you, that's not true. That's a lie. And so I'm sorry if that's been your case, if you've heard that, if you've been uh, if you've been taught that you are a less than a believer because you don't speak in tongues. That's not the case. Um, but I don't want you to throw out this wonderful revelation of the baptism of the Holy Spirit and how it's so central to your faith uh, just because a group of people um, misused it. Um, and so that really is my prayer as you listen to this. Um, and, and in the weeks to come that you really actually see from the scriptures that it is the heart of God for you to experience the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I will just say this before we close, um, just as a uh, as a what I believe personally about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, um, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is is to me a revelation of the heart of God. It is it is the the revelation of his desire to be intimate with humanity. And it is the fulfillment of everything that Jesus did on the cross. It is the fulfillment of it. It is the, uh, as my friend Michael says, it was the shotgun blast um, to let us know here on earth that he accomplished what he said we'd accomplish, which is I will be raised and I will ascend to the right hand of the Father and the promise of the Father will be poured out. The promise of the Father. Do you understand that the baptism of the Holy Spirit in Acts, it says, was the promise of the Father. Why would we not want to experience the promise of the Father? And so um, I encourage you, if, if you've found yourself in this place where you feel like, I don't even know the Holy Spirit, I don't know the purpose of the Holy Spirit, I've been afraid of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, Read through Acts chapter 18, 19, 
and just look at it for yourself um, because the result of this uh, has profound impact on our walk with God. If we're walking around and we don't know the Holy Spirit, uh, we're going to have miserable Christian lives. And so next week I'm going to dive into this a lot more uh, about uh, the purpose of the Holy Spirit and some of the, the dangers or the effects of not understanding uh, and experiencing the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So I hope this is encouraging to you guys. I'm going to pray for you and, uh, and then we'll sign off. And so, uh, again, I just encourage you look at it for yourself. It's in Acts chapter 18 and 19. You can see this unfold. Uh, but I just want to pray that you, we would all have an open heart and mind as we explore this together the next couple of weeks. So let me pray for you. Um, Jesus, thank you so much, uh, God, for those who are just dialing in and listening. Uh, and I pray, uh, Holy Spirit, that you would begin to, uh, God, open the eyes of our heart uh, to understand the beauty and the magnitude of the gospel in a deeper way, God. For everyone listening, God, who feels discouraged, who feels beat down, uh, I pray right now, Holy Spirit, would you encourage them? Would you let them know uh, both in word and in deed that you love them uh, and that you're for them? In Jesus' name, amen.